Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. Hello and welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I am Dustin Levy, joined by Dan DeLuca and Alex Martin. First and foremost, it's good to be back. Obviously, with everything kind of put on pause after the hurricane, including high school sports, it's nice to, to kind of get back into the swing of things with you guys. Hopefully, with the return of high school sports, it can provide a healthy distraction for, for fans, for athletes, and that the pod can be that as well. Dan, I know Friday was your first one back on a football field. Can you tell me a little bit about what that was like? Yeah, I was at Lehigh and Charlotte for the game that was supposed to be this week, but then was moved to last week, and there were all sorts of rumors and reasons why that no one really wanted to talk about. But they played the game. It looked very much like a preseason game. It was very sloppy. Um, But I will say that the kids genuinely seemed glad to be out there again. That was, and Charlotte, you know, has a history of coming back. You know, these kids don't know about it, but it's sort of in the DNA of the school when Hurricane Charlie really wrecked the school in 2004. And there was this huge effort to get them back into their home stadium, which had just been decimated. And it only took 71 days uh, for them to get back. And they were able to play a couple home games that year, including one against Port Charlotte, where then Governor Jeb Bush came down, did the coin toss. Uh, you know, so it was really a special event. So for Charlotte to kind of be that opponent for Lehigh was, you know, there was some history involved in that. But I think what we're going to see is, you know, football is not a sport where you can just take two weeks off and then, you know, just start up again like nothing ever happened. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a while for, for, you know, these players to get conditioned again and for, you know, that, that camaraderie, that chemistry to come back. Even though it's the end of this season, I, I think the next few weeks are going to look like, you know, weeks one, two, and three. And I saw that first handover at South Fort Myers. They played their game against Fort Myers this past Friday. I mean, the most obvious thing is that they had one goalpost. So whenever there was a field goal or an extra point to be kicked, they, they would run over to, you know, the one side of the field where there was a goalpost standing. That was, you know, a pretty clear and evident way that, you know, the hurricane has affected things. You know, also, you know, talking with uh, Coach May and Principal Matthews after the game, you know, kids, you know, miss practices this week, you know, they're dealing with other things. And I know there are a lot of teams in that situation where, you know, kids either can't be at practice every every day or aren't playing at all because they're dealing with bigger things. Alex, can you tell me what have you seen from kind of the quality of football since the return? Well, my first game back, it was Naples and Laley, not much of a game. Naples, they had pretty much an extra week under their belts. Collier County Schools, uh, the publics were kind of more at at an advantage just being able to get out onto a practice field and whatnot I think it was like less than a week after the hurricane the turf fields allow you to do that Naples didn't seem like it missed a beat really you know took care of the football didn't turn it over Laley on the other hand struggled moving the ball here and there it was definitely one of those games where you kind of knew what was coming before the game started Um, and and that was just domination by Naples for the most part but yeah you you know picking up on your point there there was a lot of sloppiness and this kind of comes with not being able to take a field until sometime last week 
Um, and granted, it was conditioning. You know, it wasn't even touching a football. So you're not running schemes. You're not running formation sets, any of that. Uh, kind of be interested to see what happens this week if we kind of see teams pick it up a little bit or if we're still going to see teams that are kind of still behind the eight ball. Yeah, at my game, Fort Myers obviously came out on top 35 nothing. So you think, you know, may, maybe the Greenies were kind of back and feeling good. Coach Sirianni was a little more critical um felt that you know they might have missed some opportunities maybe that they started a little bit flat the interesting thing is you know they've had so many games where uh their passing game looked good the running game not so much this was completely reverse they had a great day running the ball uh rico noel with three touchdowns over 100 yards rushing so that was a positive sign for them dan any of these results that stood out to you i just wanted to go back to lehigh for a second and i wanted to mention their athletic director ernesto adamo it's his first year as athletic director lehigh has had two home football games this season the first one was against lake gibson which is was just the second game in southwest florida history that's been was televised on espn so all the preparations that had to get involved in in getting ready for that game the second one was last week after hurricane ian where you know supposedly governor desantis was going to come and do the coin toss he didn't make it it was uh, education commissioner marini diaz that came instead but he's had two home games and those were the two. I, I mean, this is not going to be a normal season any longer. There's just no chance of that. But I find it hard to say that there's anybody who's had an experience, their first two home games being games like that. So I just wanted to give a, a mention to him because that's a rough start, but he's a, a happy guy and seems like he's enjoying it so far. Hopefully he can continue to do that. Well, ironically, those are Lehigh's only two wins this season. Coming out on top against Charlotte with the interception by James Little. It's funny how that worked out with Lehigh maybe uh, viewed as underperforming the season. But, you know, in these these games with the high-pressure situations, they've come through. And, you know, they have a shot at the district, too. Another team that didn't miss a beat, guys, Bishop Varro. Yes. 67 points, Carter Smith, uh, six touchdowns. You know, it seemed like another game for them. <laughs> Playing at home, 11 of 15 passing, I think 319 yards. He's up over 1,500 on the season. Uh, keep an eye out for that uh, to see where he ends up at the end of the year. I mean, I still, there might be a chance, maybe it's a little slimmer, that he can actually get past Kurt Benkert and hold the single-season passing record. Dan, I mean, he's what 1200 away at this point three regular season games left probably minimum two playoff games at this point so kind of in the ballpark here yeah it'll take a little bit of a playoff run but i i think it's definitely doable if you wanted to look at another game that same district estero going to key west and knocking off 42 to 37 uh estero had only allowed what like 16 points all year uh gave up 37 to key west who's not a very good team this year but that's a tough place to play when you talk about the bus trip staying in the dorms all the things that go involved in that and for that to be your first game coming back after the two-week layoff because of the hurricane, just to get out of there with a win, I, I, I think really says something about about Astero and and you know they can kind of continue that momentum and it's a district win and that really sets up you know a big battle in a couple weeks with Astero and Bishop Vero. And picking up on that, the big thing that I was you know hearing from Vero people is that the last thing that they wanted to have happen was was Key West winning that game, uh, then setting up an, an all important district battle in the final week down the keys which 
let's just say head coach Richie Rhodes said he has he's had some experiences down there, uh, maybe with uh, officials or some other things during his days at Cypress Lake. But yeah, this pretty much makes Estero uh, Vero, you know, de facto district title game. You know, Key West has lost in the district now, and um, looks like the winner of Estero will be going to the playoffs. Another team that had lengthy travel this week was Dunbar, traveling to Georgia to play Lowndes, game that they ended up losing, 43-12, their first loss of the season. I mean, they haven't played for over a month. On top of the hurricane, they had bye week, game against Fort Myers, that there was weather conditions involved. They're going to be back actually today, Tuesday, to play a game and back Friday, playing a, a lot of football this week. Yeah, that was their first loss. ECS, Canterbury, still unbeaten after getting shutouts this past week, which has been a pretty big surprise this season. Both coaches, I mean, obviously Canterbury, you know, before you got here, Dustin had a tradition of winning, whether it was under uh, TQ Humes or, or Andrew Layton. They won the SSAC. I think they went back-to-back, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, the SSAC, far inferior conference in the FHSA, far fewer teams. But they still put up wins in the win column. ECS is the team I think that's pretty dang impressive. They've allowed, to my knowledge, the fewest points of any team in the area. I think it's 15 points, four shutouts, five games so far. Mac Mitchell's got his guys hitting on the right cylinders at this point. Both teams will be playing each other this week. So if there was a private eight championship in football, which there isn't, I mean, you might as well just add this one to the point tally uh, for the cumulative points at the end of the season to determine a private eight champion. Yeah, that's going to be one of the games to watch this week. Uh, We'll be getting into that and more after this break. Let's go! Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. And we are back. We are heading into a very crucial stretch of the season. All of our schedules were kind of turned upside down by the storm. We've been scrambling on our end to find out who's playing who and where, but uh, the one big thing is that the FHSAA has dictated that teams get their district games in. So with a lot of these teams having played maybe one district game max, it's a good time to take a look at these districts and make our our predictions to see who's going to come out on top. Where I want to start is maybe where there is the least suspense, Class 3S16, which has Baron Collier, Benita, Golden Gate, Laley, and Naples. Is there any reason to doubt Golden Eagles chances here. Probability wise, I think Naples actually has this locked up. To my knowledge, you know, they they got a tiebreaker over Barron, who's has one loss in the district at this point in time. So even if Naples were to lose a game here, actually their only district game left's Benita. So so they've got this one locked up. That's what Rick Martin said Friday night. He was right. Naples, no surprise, going to the postseason here. Obviously, Barron, you know, pretty impressive number two. I think not many people saw them going possibly seven and one or eight and one with the schedule they had but you know they're in good shape to do that yeah definitely another district that i want to look at class 4s 15 which has charlotte ida baker lehigh and riverdale possibly preseason we were looking at lehigh as the favorites but there's still chances for other teams here uh dan what do you think only one district game played so far and that was last week when lehigh beat charlotte so lehigh's Got that tiebreaker over Charlotte, and I think it's most likely a three-team race with Baker, Riverdale, who haven't played any district games yet, and Lehigh. I think Lehigh could ultimately still come out on top in this district, just like we said in the preseason, but I don't think their path to it 
is going to look like the path I think that we all envision for them. Riverdale's played pretty well this year, you know, with with new coach Frank Hepler. So that that's a big game with Lehigh. That's a rivalry game. There's a lot of history there. You know, strange things happen in, in rivalry games. And let's be honest, I mean, Lehigh hasn't looked very good this season. They've been very up and down, unable to really get any consistency. And then you have Baker. Baker is in a situation where they were the school that, if you look at athletic facility-wise, they were most devastated by the storm. They, you know, their football stadium was really wrecked. They won't be able to play any more home games this year. So they're going to have to go out on the road. And sometimes, you know, you can get some of that emotion from that and and you can go on a little bit of a run. So it's going to be real interesting to to see how this plays out. Is Lehigh still the favorite? Probably. But I wouldn't be surprised if somebody sneaks up and, and wins this district other than Lehigh. And Baker and Riverdale are going to be facing off this week. That's going to be a big matchup where kind of on paper it doesn't seem like one team has a a big advantage over the other. That's going to be a really interesting one to watch. Taking a look at Class 4S16 that has Gulf Coast, Immokalee, and Palmetto Ridge. This feels like Gulf Coast and Immokalee will be battling this out down the stretch. Alex, who do you think has the edge there? Well, if you're an Immokalee fan and you listen to this podcast, you definitely are going to remember my comment I made about Gulf Coast uh, being sharpied in to win this district, and it wasn't going to be relatively close. My tune has changed a bit on that. Um, Immokalee has definitely exceeded expectations in terms of a, uh, what to expect in the first year of a new coaching system. Uh, James Delgado has got his guys at 4-3 and three right now, which is something I don't think we would have really seen coming in the first year. Usually things like this take time, but he's got them trekking in the right direction. Next week is going to look like a pretty important week, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this game is out at Immokalee, which could bode well for Redwood in terms of capturing a district title. And what a story it would be if Immokalee were to pull this off. They haven't won a district title in a handful of years. You know, I think Roddle and Anthony was the last coach at Immokalee to win one. Um, And I think it was particularly in his earlier years, I think the undefeated regular season in 17 was it. Maybe it was 18, one or the other. But, you know, Immokalee's got a better shot than than I would have uh, expected, you know, relative to the beginning of the season. But Gulf Coast... Still a favorite. You know, with Connor Barrett at quarterback, I think it's going to be a tough and tall order. But Gulf Coast is going to have to stop the run uh, next week. You know, whether it's the quarterback, Trannonville or Real, or the two running backs in Justin Compare and Luke John Baptiste, um, you're going to have to stop them. And that'll be uh, something interesting that we'll be kind of keeping an eye on for next week. I think the one thing the Sharks have going for them is experience, whether it's uh, head coach Todd Nichols, uh, Connor Barrett, as you mentioned, just very senior-heavy football team. But that's going to be a, a really exciting game over at Immokalee. Heading over to the Cape, that's Cape Coral, Island Coast, Mariner, North Fort Myers. Obviously, these teams are all the most impacted by the storm. So that, that might have thrown things up in the air. Dan, what do you think about these teams? There's been no district games played yet here, so it's kind of a clean slate. And I I think if you look at all four of these teams, they all play defense pretty well. Mariners probably number four in terms of defense, but they're pretty good at defense. Offensively, they've all struggled this year. Cape, Island Coast especially. North has really struggled to get things going consistently. Mariners probably had the best offensive production this year. I think this was one of those districts similar to Lehigh's district where we were like, okay, well, you know, North is going to win this district, going to win it pretty easily. 
I'm not sure about that now. I, I think North should still be favored. They have the most talent of any of these teams in the district. But, you know, you have to go out there and you have to perform. And they've been very inconsistent on offense this year. They get Mariner this week, and I think that's going to be a really good game. I mean, Mariner has done a great job. Josh Nicholson's done a great job with that team. And I think they're kind of on the cusp of, you know, turning things around. I think this district's kind of up in the air a little bit right now. North's offense, the first two weeks was terrible. The last two weeks before the hurricane, it was decent. I mean, 38 and 37 points. But this district will be one with defense. I think that's safe to say. You know, North's only allowed 27 points in four games, just over a touchdown a game, essentially. It's definitely going to be a clean slate. I'm not sure if North is back yet. I I know that they were one of the last schools here in terms of Lee County to get back in a building. You know, maybe that'll play a factor. But Mariner... Three and two so far. Matched their win total already from last season in five games relative to doing it in ten. Josh Nicholson's got his program in the right direction. Island Coast is kind of a, a, a weird dark horse. You know, they held a stero to seven points. Last year, the game got called at halftime between them and North, and it was I think it was like nine to three. It, it was something, uh, you know, very odd and low scoring, almost like a scoregami type. I still think North's the favorite, but you know, if you know, betting man, you know, odds definitely went down a little bit. You made a good point about the clean slate. If you're one of these underdog teams, you you can really feel like you have nothing to lose at this point in the season. In Class Three S fifteen, we have Cypress Lake, Dunbar, East Lee, Fort Myers, and South Fort Myers. It kind of feels like it'll come down to Dunbar and Fort Myers. What are your guys' thoughts? November 4th, save the date. <laughs> How fitting. Dunbar, Fort Myers, going to be final week of the season for the district title. You know, that, that's got to be a pretty unique uh, story. I don't know if it's ever been done. With that, though, we do lose Lehigh and Dunbar, which, I mean, at this point in time, you know, Lehigh is not the greatest. So, you know, I'm fine with that trade off for uh, probably going to be a pretty competitive district title game to my knowledge i think this one is at fort myers so that'll make things even more interesting but yeah with with the greenies win over over south last week you know this is pretty much uh you know it's a a two-team race at this point in time although several of these teams cypress lake dunbar and fort myers will all be doing the three games in eight days turnaround so that's that's going to be a factor for sure yeah and it's interesting to see how the teams approach this obviously you know the more rich programs in terms of history naples is one of them you know there's a chance you know that when they play palmetto ridge that both sides just trot out their jv teams and, and call it a varsity game be curious to see if other teams decide to do that but obviously that naples palmetto ridge game is not a district game fort myers and a handful of the other schools i think have to play district games you know on that tuesday or monday game so uh, maybe a different approach there but you know just something to watch for definitely uh, let's take a look at 2s16 vero estero gateway key west dan is this uh vero versus estero i think so I, I i think it pretty clearly comes down to that um you know that game's next friday the 28th it'll really be a matter of is that a stereo defense for real you know because it's it's one thing to hold you know the opponents that they held to in the in the first part of the season island coast and a big rainstorm shut them out you know cypress lake not allow any any offensive points but you know you're going to be going up against carter smith and and, and that offense and it, that's really going to test 
Estero. I, I, I think you have to look at Vero as as the, the favorite in that, but I wouldn't count Estero out. I mean, the way they played this year, the way they won games, you know, scoring two defensive touchdowns last week uh, at, at Key West, you know, they just they just find a way. So it's not impossible for them, but I, I, I certainly think that, you know, Vero is, is the favorite still. Can't say enough about momentum, especially because it carried Estero to a district title last year. So um, every possibility that, that they can do the same again this year. Now let's go down to the privates. 1S7, that is ECS and SFCA. ECS can't say enough about what they've done this year under first-year head coach Mac Mitchell. Do they got this in the bag? Yeah, Mac Mitchell. This team, surprisingly, is just better on paper than last year, and that's without Miles Graham in the fold, who is clearly their best player. The Sentinels just seem to have, you know, have it going. They really do. You know, the run game with LJ Blackwell – passing game with Tanner Helton and, and kind of the do-whatever-you-want athlete in Jaden German, who's only in eighth grade. Um, you know, obviously remember that name in, in the next few years to come. Oh, SFCA and ECS, this game wasn't close last year, and, and ECS was, what, an average team? I think they were, what, four and six or five and five, five hovering 500. Sentinels are, are better this year. Um, you know, once they get past SFCA, if they do that, you know, they're district champs. They're going to the playoffs, and, you know, then it'll be – getting out of that region which includes our next set of teams you know obviously fba is the kind of the team to watch out for in the region to get out and go to a final four yeah and you can't write off the kings they will they will put up a lot of yards uh, a lot of points so that's going to be a game to look forward to and as you mentioned uh the the 1s8 district with csn fba newman it certainly feels uh like the the lions have a great chance there yeah and getting back to the kings i mean they will slow the game down and they will throw 40 50 times a game where you think oh you know we're ahead by 21 or we're ahead by 17 or 14 well if you keep passing you know there's that's gonna be less time off the clock um you know in terms of you know if you're able to get out of bounds or if plays are blown dead or incompletions or things like that um but you know sfca might be able to pose a little bit of a threat here um but you know ecs remains a favorite um fba kind of a i don't want to say like an enigma but definitely kind of just a weird situation for them ethan crossan did not play friday night uh, against pahokee uh, i don't think Jaden booker did either pahokee won 21 to 12 so fba is three and two this season and to me it seems like they're kind of a defining moment for them um i, I don't view them as the favorite in 1s anymore i have ocala trinity catholic as that team um, but getting out of the district here, it's just CSN at this point. Um, they already beat Newman. Both teams actually already beat Newman. So um, district title game, when that game comes, it'll be at the John N. Allen Family Stadium on the campus of CSN. And, you know, good chance both teams, winner or loser, going to the postseason with a potential prospect of seeing each other again in these smaller regions. And lastly, the Sunshine State Athletic Conference, which has some of our local teams like Canterbury and Gateway Charter. I mean, Canterbury should have a real shot here with the way that they've started the season you can't count out the cougars with quarterbacking and just the athleticism they have leroy roker is not a football player guys he, oh he he's he's a basketball player and, and he's just doing insane things on the ground you know a two-sport athlete um you, you always like seeing the, the just the athletes thrive in sports that they're that they didn't really come up playing and leroy was kind of one of them obviously a star basketball player at fort myers now he's at canterbury um you know He's one of those guys. Alex Kamarka is another. Um, you know, they got the pieces to pretty 
cap off a pretty impressive season. I think an undefeated season, though, is out of the cards. You know, maybe foreshadowing to our pick segment here next week when they play uh, ECS. But, um, you know, they're already at five wins, which, you know, pretty impressive for them so far. And they're one of three remaining undefeateds in the area alongside the Sentinels and Estero. Before we uh, go ahead and make picks for the Week 9 games, uh, can each of you tell me what, what game are you most looking forward to? I think North and Mariner. That's the game I'm covering. I mentioned Baker. Mariner had a lot of damage also, just not the structural damage that Baker had. It's going to be emotional there, and I, I think you know this is really sort of a prove-it chance for Mariner to say that, yes, we've gotten better. Yes, we've matched the three wins from last year, but here we're taking on the big dog in our district. You know, Ken... Can we have a shot here in the fourth quarter? And if they get into the fourth quarter and it's a one-score game, I, I, I think you know they have, they'll have a real good opportunity to pull that off. I think this is the biggest game for Mariner in I don't know how many years as far as football is concerned where they have a real chance to do something they can win this game. Yeah, i got to go with game of the week, um, American Heritage, Naples. I'm going to be there. Getting the chance to see five-star prospects is kind of – fun to watch because you get to see uh, what they're like in person. I've seen Brandon Innes at, at American Heritage a handful of times now on flag football circuit or uh, or seven on sevens. The kid's the real deal and this is Naples test. You know Venice we obviously I think we kind of overestimated how much they were bringing back. Um, obviously Venice is not the team they were last year. I think we can all agree on that but American Heritage is the real deal. Nationally ranked you know this is going to be a tall order for Naples um, to pull this off and um, you know, this is a team that can run the ball too. Um, American Heritage, you know, as much as they, uh, you know, have guys out wide, you know, they got an Ohio State commit at running back and Mark Fletcher, uh, you know, as a sophomore, um, the Sun Sentinel player of the year in terms of the larger schools. This will be one heck of a game. You guys both picked the games that you'll be at this week. I'm going to give a little shout out to the game that I will be at, Ida Baker at Riverdale, uh, just because coming off uh, the long layoff for both these teams, and I, I kind of just think they're very evenly matched. Um, I think it's going to be exciting, and, you know, they both have a lot of really good talent. A lot of emotions, too, for Baker. I mean, it seemed like there were probably kids on that team, and, you know, staff included, that they didn't know if they were going to play again. And, you know, what a win it would be for them come Friday if they were, you know, able to pull this off and, you know, really maybe pose a threat to Lehigh in the district title game. Definitely a lot to look forward to. And when we come back, we are going to make our picks for this week's games. For more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, go to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com. Let's just do it, okay? Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Zone. For the first time in what feels like a month, I think it's actually been a month right on the nose, Picks Time has returned. This is long overdue. So we're going to carry over from our week five picks. So Dustin and Dan are 33 and 15. Dan picked up a couple games on on the defending champion. Um, And then I'm sitting at 35 and 13 uh, with a two-game advantage heading into this week. Uh, This is a a week where I think a lot can happen. Anything can happen. Um, You know, the hurricane kind of proved that last week. A lot of some close games, some were kind of blowouts. Um, we're going to start it off with with a toss-up that we talked about. Ida Baker, Riverdale, um, a big district clash here. Um, both teams, to my knowledge, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, are playing their first games uh, since the hurricane. 
Um, so, I mean, how do you kind of how do you guys kind of see this one going? Um, do we see the same sloppiness that we saw from some of the teams uh, this past week? This is a really tough one to call. I, I really regard these teams uh, very similarly. I'm not sure about the quality, but I, I think it's going to be a really close game. But I'm going to give the edge to Baker just because of the motivation factor. Dan? I think as journalists, we all root for what the best story would be. And that part of me really wants to pick Baker. I mean, they would be the best story just with all they went through uh, during the storm. But I'm going to go with Riverdale. I think the difference is I think Riverdale's a little better defensively. And I think they'll be able to get that one stop when they need it. And they'll hold on to win at home. But I think it's going to be a really close one-score game. Yeah, this is going to be one of the more interesting games. Obviously, Baker's defense is a little suspect. 90 points allowed in four games with a handful of that coming in a 35 nothing loss to Port Charlotte. And then an overtime win against Mariner on the road. Their first game of the year, um, they played Benita Springs. They allowed 24 points in that one. But, you know, Riverdale, kind of similar situation. You know, 22 points allowed to Laley, then they lost to Fort Myers, 28-0. They do have a common opponent, though, in Mariner. Riverdale beat them 31-13. Both games were at Mariners, uh, on Mariners' campus. But I'm going to, I'm going to pick Baker here. I, I just think this is going to come down to who can run the ball better. And I just think that... Baker and their team are going to seize on this opportunity that they probably once thought they weren't going to get, um, and they're really going to really try to capitalize on this. I'm going to pick the Bulldogs in this one. Next up, Laley at Baron Collier. Mark Jackson looking to keep that one loss and go to, I think it's 6-1 and one on the year. Definitely doable. Laley is looking to avoid another losing streak after a 59 nothing loss to Naples. Dan, I'll start it with you. Barron, pretty favored here. I imagine you're probably going to go with the favorite. Yeah, I think so. I, I think Barron's just a little superior now overall as a program. I think they gave Naples a game for a bit. Um, and I, I think Barron, you know, is clearly the second best team in this district. And they'll win this game. Dustin? I have Barron as well. Uh, they, they've just played consistently well this year. Tommy Mooncotch has thrown a touchdown pass in every game. Uh, Brian Daniels had, had a really nice game on the ground last week. They just have a lot of good offensive weapons. Tommy Mooncotch, probably going to extend that streak here, the, the touchdown passing streak. He, he's kind of been an interesting story. And Dustin, you did a feature on him in the lead-up to the Naples game. He's the only quarterback, I think, in Collier County to surpass 1,000 passing yards at this point in time. Um, you know, pretty notable I'm going to take Barron as well. They're too good. Him and Brody Graham have been on the same page for what feels like like three years or two years. Like you'd see him in college, like two guys coming in at the same time, just really building chemistry. Expect him and Graham to have another big night here. I'm going to take the Cougars. Third game on the slate, Benita Springs going to Golden Gate. Thursday night football action here. Really weird game. You know, it's like both teams have kind of had their moments this year. Golden Gates against Gulf Coast. Benito had kind of given Barron a game uh, for a little while, really controlling the clock in that one. Dustin, I'll start it with you. I mean, Josiah Sessler hasn't played in, in a little while. Can this team kind of get back to where they were? Or, or is Golden Gate kind of going to capitalize here on just being able to play for the past few weeks? I think that's the biggest factor in my pick this week, that Golden Gate has a bit of a rhythm of, of playing the past couple weeks, and Benito just hasn't had that. And I, I think that's su- such a an underrated factor here. Um, Wesley Jean also had a, a good game on the ground for the Titans last week, so I, I like their chances. Yeah, I'm going to join you here. Uh, Golden Gate, Thursday night, you know, it's an expedited week. Um, one last day for Benita to prepare. 
Um, even though they've probably known about this game for a little while, they will be technically the more rested team, uh, but that could come with some sloppiness and whatnot, even though they do run the ball pretty much at virtually every play, or at least 95% of them. Uh, I'm going to take Golden Gate. Uh, I, I just think, you know, going to be a little too much for Benita in this one, Dan. Yeah, I agree, uh, Golden Gate. Benita Springs has such a small, you know, margin for error. They, they they can't really turn the ball over. They can't fall behind, you know, by two scores with the, with the type of offense that they want to run that, you know, it's really tough to, to have to play that way. Their last time out against Mariner, they really controlled a lot of that game, but they had three turnovers, and they just couldn't overcome that. So I, I think Golden Gate's the pick here. 100% um, across the board there. Um, our next game, this uh, I believe is a battle between two schools in the Diocese of Venice. Um, this is going to be Bishop Rowe going up to Cardinal Mooney. Common opponents here would be First Baptist. Cardinal Mooney uh, lost in overtime to First Baptist 28-27. Bishop Rowe lost to First Baptist 56-42. to Dustin, you know, obviously Rowe is one of those teams that they actually played decent defense last week. Did they kind of keep that trend going here, or is Mooney kind of going to make them uh, work for it uh, offensively? Yeah, it's it's kind of a game where you can throw the records out the window it's because it's a rivalry game. Rowe got them twice last year, if I'm correct. But uh, I like the Vikings um, to, to win here. I think they just... You know, the the numbers they're putting up on offense are, are just insane. I put this game specifically on the slate because I, if you remember correctly, I picked against Vero. I think the first time uh, these two teams faced, maybe maybe it was the second time, but I picked Mooney one time. I'm not making that same mistake again. Vero here, I just don't think Mooney will be able to pace Vero in terms of scoring. You know, I, Carter Smith's in for another big game, I'd imagine. Set the line at three and a half total touchdowns <laughs> if you want to. I think he's going to go off once again. Dan? It's a big rivalry, 42nd all-time meeting. Uh, Mooney leads 23-18. to 18. Uh, Nobody's ever won, f- or Vero has not won four games in a row ever in this series. Uh, they won three in a row against Mooney, so they could do that tonight. This was also the first opponent for Vero ever uh, in the history of their program. They played the first game against Mooney in 1966 lost that game so there's some you know Vero grads in their 70s that are out for revenge right I mean Vero's gonna win this game they're just too good of course and uh, staying with uh, two private schools um, we got a Christian and a Catholic school so Christians versus Catholics SFCA Newman it's one of those games where who knows what could happen really I mean SFCA's offense uh, hasn't taken the field in quite a while you know they were one of those schools kind of in a in a odd predicament dustin starting it off with you again here kings or celtics actually gonna go with the kings here i think they may just have you know a chip on their shoulder you know it's gonna be their first game you know since the storm i i, I don't know and I, I just think newman's just not what we maybe expected this year and sfca you know maybe they're they're two and three but they're still they're putting up a a, a lot of numbers yeah dan it's a very odd game i mean I don't really, personally, I don't know what to expect here. Yeah, I don't either. Um, but if you're looking at these two teams, you know that one of them can do something pretty well, and that's SFCA. They can throw the football, so I'm going to go with them. But Eli Moore is probably going to be very happy to get back on the field. Um, these two teams did play last year. Um, SFCA lost 41-21 to at home. This is a game where um, Dawson Jones threw for 141 yards, ran for another 169 um, a very senior-heavy group uh, from last year's team, um, while SFCA, you know, they only 
had a you know pretty much one senior offensively that was a you know a big role and that was Santavius Gadsden who ran for over a thousand yards last year uh, I'm going to take the Kings here to get revenge but I, I think it's going to be a, a hard-fought game uh, for four quarters big district clash uh, coming to Jeff Summer Stadium Friday night Gateway Astero pretty good sense of who's favored here I'll, I'll start it Astero big um, Astero uh, should be able to win this one pretty handily. Gateway's just still in the growing par- process of being a new school. Um, give me the Wildcats. The one thing, because we we didn't record a pod after it happened, uh, Gateway did get their first win of the season against uh, their rival Gateway Charter. So uh, shout out to them for getting in the win column. But that was weeks ago, and they just took a, a really tough loss to Verreaux. So I like the Wildcats' chances to uh, keep the winning streak going. Yeah, I'm going to go with Estero as well. I just don't see Gateway being able to score um, much on, on that defense, and uh, you got to score to win. So I'm going to go with Estero. Next up, you know, two schools who have had, you know, some kids displaced for various reasons, you know, due to the hurricane and whatnot. Some kids uh, have to prioritize things over others. Uh, Cypress Lake over South Fort Myers. You know, Dustin, you talked to Joey Mendez about, you know, his kids' situations, and, it, you know, obviously – being where Cypress Lake is, you know, you're drawing a lot of kids from Harlem Heights, Iona, um, Sanibel, Fort Myers Beach. Um, you know, you talk to him, it seems like, um, you know, they're kind of operating uh, different circumstances uh, relative to some of the other schools. I think the most important thing um, in this game is that for Cypress, it'll be their third game in eight days. I think that's just too much to overcome. South, even though, you know, they struggled last week. Um, they still moved the ball. They just kind of stopped themselves a lot of times. So I, I like the Wolf Pack. I'm going to take South as well. I, I think Willis May can get his team back on track, um, you know, especially against Cypress. And, you know, as Dustin kind of said, playing just three games in eight days is just such a tall order. And, you know, only a handful of teams were able to come out unscathed the last time it happened during Irma. I think Palmetto Ridge was one of them. Uh, they did go 3-0 and during that eight-game stretch, but... Dan, I mean, do you see any reason here to not to pick against uh, South? No, no, I think South South is the pick. I, I think, you know, they obviously didn't play as well as they wanted against Fort Myers. This is an opportunity to kind of bounce back. And, you know, really, Cypress Lake with being down in numbers, it, it's just, they're, they're just, it's going to be tough for them to get up for this game and to have enough in reserve uh, to go against a team that's going to be looking, you know, to turn things around a little bit. So I, I'm going to go with South. Yeah. And, for people who don't know, South is one and four this year. Um, not many people probably saw that one coming, but um, you know they're going to try and get back to two and four and perhaps salvage their season uh, right at five hundred. Um, third to last game here, North Fort Myers going to Mariner. Big district clash. Dan, starting it back with you. You kind of uh, are pretty excited about this one. Um, um, you know this game is going to be at Tony McKenna Field. I think it, it, you know, has the potential to be a good game. And I know I was kind of talking up Mariner at, you know, that they can, you know, kind of pull off the the upset. But I I think North is the pick here. Even though they were a little late getting back to school, they just reopened on Thursday, you know, playing a game on the road on Friday. I I just think there's too much – too much talent there. I, I think Mariner can control the ball a little bit. They can score some points, but I think North, uh, with the athletes that they have on offense, think they can score quickly, and I, I think that's going to be ultimately a little too much for Mariner to overcome. So I'm going to go with the Red Knights. Yeah, I wouldn't read too much into uh, North's early offensive performances. Um, they were against Fort Myers. They were against Dunbar. Uh, really tough teams, uh, and I, I think you know they they just have you know they have Bo Somerset, who's a Swiss Army knife. They have um, Andre Devine might be back and healthy for this game. So I, I think those are kind of the factors um, 
that have me siding with North here. Yeah, and you think about it, you know, those first two games, they came away with a negative three-point differential, which, you know, for their standards, probably couldn't have asked for much anything better. You know, they weren't blown out in either game. Uh, they they beat Fort Myers in overtime, uh, and then they only lost to Dunbar 17-8. So definitely one of those games where North's going to be looking to replicate their last two weeks relative than their first two weeks. You know, they'd love to outscore Mariner 38-0 or 37-0 like they did with Lemon Bay. North should be able to win this one. But I do think, you know, first week back will present struggles. Um, I'm going to take the Red Knights in a much closer game than I would have uh, anticipated at the beginning of the year. All right, guys. Private school showdown. Sentinels, Cougars, ECS Canterbury. Who would have thought both these teams would have been undefeated uh, going into week nine? Bigger private school against a team that's, you know, undefeated, but uh, definitely a far inferior schedule, Dustin. First off, a huge credit to coach Sizemore and coach Mitchell for having their teams in this position right now I'm gonna go with the Sentinels um, I, I've just been impressed with the, the shutouts um, they've been coming on the road that's a, a good sign they've just been doing well all around uh, Tanner Heldnick quarterback LJ Blackwell running back I you know they've just they, they they've really really stepped up and delivered this year yeah, I mean, this will be the best team Canterbury's faced by far. They'll have the two best offensive players on the field in, in Helton and L.J. Blackwell, and I, I think that's that'll be too much for Canterbury to overcome ECS wins. Look, there's a game on the slate every week where you're like, this team can win, or, or you know, there's always some sort of an upset here. Of the games that we picked, I think Canterbury's got the best shot at, at upsetting an ECS team. Yet again, you know, the Sentinels have only allowed 15 points. Canterbury's allowed, I think, 27. So battle between the two best uh, schools defensively in the area. Um, you know, but coaching will win out here. Mac Mitchell's just got a better system right now. He's got the better quarterback. He's got, in my opinion, the better running back. Um, I'm, I'm going to take the Sentinels on the road here to stay undefeated, um, to possibly join Estero as the only two undefeateds left in Southwest Florida. And then our final game of the week it is our game of the week. American Heritage, Naples, the Patriots are a pretty dang good football team. You know, Naples is looking for a signature win, one they haven't really been able to gather uh, recently, you know, under under Rick Martin or the uh, earlier years of Bill Kramer, or later years, rather. Dan, I'll start it with you. I mean, Naples has seemed to got, get more competitive in these types of games over the past uh, couple seasons under Rick Martin. Um, what are your thoughts? I think it'll be a really good game. I mean, Staver Field, that's uh, obviously a, a big home field advantage, tough for opposing teams to come in there and win. I just think, though, that American Heritage, they're, they're a little too multifaceted, right? I, I mean, they can throw the football. They can run the football, you know, averaging almost nine yards a carry. Naples can run it with anybody. But if that's not working, if, if they're getting stuffed, you know, can they throw the football? You know, less than 40 pass attempts this season. And, you know, they haven't had to throw the football a lot. So if you don't have to do it, why do it? But I think they're going to have to throw the football at some point in this game and I'm not sure that that they can succeed in that and so I think it'll be close I think it'll be a game in the fourth quarter but I think American Heritage will pull away and win I agree with Dan I'm gonna go with the Patriots here um just because of what he said you know the difference in, in quarterback play um you know that Blake Murphy to Brandon Innes connection has been really strong this year and then throw in uh, what, what Mark Fletcher can do on the ground um, and yeah, I, I like their chances. Comparing Venice and American Heritage, you know, Venice did give up 176 yards on the ground, but that was on 44 attempts. So, the, you know, Naples is only averaging 
Um, four yards a carry against a, a, a defense that I would consider inferior to American Heritage. I think the Patriots' defense is much better. Um, you know, their secondary with Damon Fagan, Damari Brown, you know, a handful of guys in the secondary who are committed to Power 5 programs. And then you got a defensive line that, you know, has done pretty good overall. You know, this is going to be a battle in the trenches um, on both sides. Um, but, you know, Naples is going to have to figure out um, you know, if they're able to stop American Heritage's attack on their cover zero, you know, Naples seems to be notorious just for leaving their corners on islands um, in this one. So, you know, you're going to have to defend these guys across the board. I just think it's going to be too much. Um, you know, Mike Smith has done a great job at getting some sort of an established run game going with Mark Fletcher, who's going to Ohio State, and, and Byron Lewis, who is one of the next big things in Broward County. So I'm going to take the Patriots to win this one. I, I, I think it's going to be a, a tall order for Naples. So that'll wrap up our picks. We're all uh, in unison across the board for now, aside from the Riverdale-Baker game. We're finally back with content. We're getting back to a normal schedule, thankfully. You can go to naplesnews.com sports or news-press.com sports for our content. Getting back into the normal swing of things. Um, you know, Obviously, Thursday night will be a mixed bag between volleyball districts and football um, with Golden Gate. Uh, Bonita Springs, as well as Gulf Coast Moorhaven. Uh, that's another game that'll be played Thursday. Hopefully, we could serve as as some sort of a, a maybe a temporary escape for some of you listeners that were affected by Ian. For Dustin Levy, Dan DeLuca, I'm Alex Martin signing off. Take care, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games. One, two, three.